This morning, I want to just kind of spend a little bit of time comparing the strong phrase that our Lord, what's this phrase, like our Lord turns around and yells at Peter, and we even put that, that out on the sign. I mean, it's a strong line, get behind me, Satan. And I mean, to have that and reflect on our Lord saying that, I want to spend a little bit of time reflecting, it, reflecting on the difference between what our Lord says to Peter here, and if we go back to the first Sunday of Lent, when we heard in chapter 4 of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus' interaction with the devil himself, and the differences between the two. Because Jesus, obviously, is very strong towards the devil himself as well. And it's interesting, if you remember back to Matthew 4, like I said, it was the Gospel the first Sunday of Lent, which I know is quite a while ago now. But in that Gospel, the devil, just like St. Peter tries to do today, takes Jesus aside And it's kind of a violent sort of a verb, like taking possession of him, pulling him away. And tempts him, as we know, three times. The first time, you know, well, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Man doesn't live by bread alone. If you're the son of God, throw yourself off the temple. The angels will take care of you. Man should not tempt God. And finally, the devil, you know, always overplays his hand. You know, if you would just worship me, I'll give you all the power of all the kingdoms of the earth. And it's that point that Jesus says this. Be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered him. But so it's, it's different, because we just heard our Lord say to Peter, get behind me, Satan. And in Matthew's gospel, 12 chapters earlier, he said to Satan himself, be gone, Satan. Now, very few words are different, but I would propose that the meaning is infinitely different. And as you think about this, you know, the devil is trying to tempt our Lord away from the passion. You know, take a shortcut. Just take things into your own hand. Like, basically, don't suffer. Just, you know, do things this way. But that's not what our Lord is here to do. He is here to lay down his life for us, to take on suffering, not with some magic trick, but to literally lay down his life. And the devil is trying to trick him into not doing that, not embracing the suffering, but just moving around it, right? Here's some power. But of course, all of those nations that the devil showed Jesus at the time, they're all gone. The devil can't deliver on what he says that he will. Now, St. Peter obviously doesn't want his friend to suffer, right? He doesn't want Jesus to have to go to the cross, to go to his passion. And I would say, too, just knowing Peter as a fellow fallen human being, he probably doesn't want to really be bearing a cross himself either, right? Now, in last Sunday's gospel, you know, he just got that wonderful promotion. You are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. You know, sometimes I kind of complain. We miss a lot of stuff in between Sunday to Sunday. This gospel picks up right where last Sunday left off. So we go right from, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And obviously it's kind of gone to Peter's head because he decides that the one he just declared is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now Peter takes Jesus aside. And now this sounds nice. Peter took Jesus aside. It's sort of like, hey, do you mind doing that? No. I mean, literally the verb is like grabbed them by the, by the lapels and pulled them over and said, God forbid, Lord. You know, it's, it has like a violent connotation to it. Like all of a sudden, he thinks that he's the one in charge. But that just isn't the case. And even if he just doesn't want his Lord to suffer, nevertheless, 
Instead of being a foundation stone, he's become a stumbling block, an obstacle, a scandalon in the Greek. And our Lord uses a strong phrase for that. Get behind me, Satan. But you'll notice the difference. It's not be gone, Satan. And notice right after that, the devil left him. Here, get behind me, Satan. You're an obstacle to me. So that rock that's supposed to be a foundation stone that's been kicked out and now is causing him to to trip, right? You're an obstacle to me, a stumbling block. You're a rock in the wrong place. Get back into the right place. And that's what he does. Then Jesus said to his disciples, imagine Peter, you know, having just like made this big declaration, right? God forbid, Lord. Like just the humility of needing to get back with the disciples. But that's where Peter is supposed to be. And that's where those two phrases are infinitely different. Not be gone, Satan. He doesn't banish Peter and he's just gone from then on out. No, get behind me. Because that's where Peter belongs. And quite frankly, that's where we all belong, right? Because it's from behind him that we can do what he says disciples are to do. Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And you can't follow him from the other side. You can't follow him if you're gone, but you can if you are behind him. Now I'll tell you, every time we get that phrase in the gospel, I sort of shake a little bit when I know I've got to preach about this. And the reason for that is, I'm not good at it, right? Like, I'm not good at denying myself and taking up my cross. It's a hard thing to do. I mean, making sacrifices, telling myself no, not just giving in to instant gratification. I mean, I don't want to do these things, right? I would rather hit the snooze than get out of bed, right? I'd rather have yet another snack at night than just finally call it quits, right? Or watch the next YouTube video. But we've got to tell ourselves no sometimes, and I'm not good at that. But I'll tell you, it's a very, I think, strengthening thing for all of us to see St. Peter. And it's interesting to me. I mean, we've had a lot of St. Peter over the last couple of weeks. I think in some ways, it's like the church is giving us that example of our first pope to remind us that Jesus didn't call him because he was perfect, right? He called him because he is a disciple and... He has to keep learning the lessons of discipleship. It's not like Jesus says something to him once and boom, he's just ready to go, right? He's already walked on water, which is an amazing thing. He's already declared Christ to be the son of living God. But today he messes up in a pretty big way. You know, Jesus calls him Satan. You know, that's not an easy thing. But did he learn his lesson from that point on? No. Let's fast forward to the Last Supper, right? As Jesus goes around to wash everyone's feet, what does Peter say? God forbid, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. And of course, Jesus once again says, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. Okay, well, fine, then my hands and my head as well. Peter, just let me do this, all right? I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Follow my example, right? And so then it's still before the crucifixion. It's before Jesus has died. So you think, okay, Once he's been raised, I'm sure Peter's going to have it all figured out. Guess what? The end of the Gospel of John, the fourth Gospel, the last Gospel, about three verses from the end, right? After Peter's had that awesome opportunity to re-declare his love for Jesus after the three denials, right? It's one of my favorite scenes in all of sacred scripture. It's John 21, 15, if you want to go and read it. I love it so much. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. It's beautiful. Three times Peter gets to declare his love. And then right after that, 
Peter turned and saw following them the disciple whom Jesus loved, who had lain close to his breast at the supper, and he said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. It's like, Peter, for goodness sake, follow Jesus. But the thing is, like, he doesn't quite get it yet, right? Like, Peter has to keep learning over and over again. And my friends, so do I. And my, my guess is, my money is on the fact that so do you. And the beautiful thing is, though, is that as we look even today, as Jesus gives the prediction of what's going to happen, that leads to Peter saying, God forbid, Lord, no such thing will happen to you. What does he say? You know, the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem, suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, be killed, and on the third day be raised. I mean, he does put in there, he's going to be raised. Obviously, Peter doesn't get that yet. And I'll be honest, there are plenty of times I don't quite yet get it either. And that's why I keep falling for the traps of the devil, choosing other things rather than denying myself, taking up my cross, and following Jesus. And I have to keep learning it, right? I have to keep showing up. And so did Peter. But our Lord tells him that he will be raised. We get to participate in that resurrection every time we come to Mass. Like St. Paul telling us in the second reading, not to be conformed to this age. Why? Because this age is passing away. Just like in the temptations in the desert. All of those kingdoms that the devil showed Jesus, they're gone. But what still lasts? Jesus Christ. His love is stronger than sin and death. He's with us at every Mass. And remember that this is on the night before he died that he gave us the Blessed Sacrament. In fact, at this Mass today, I'm going to do one thing a little bit different than I normally do on Sundays to kind of emphasize this point. So when Jesus says he's going to suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, notice, he doesn't mention his disciples, right? But in Eucharistic Prayer 3 that I'm going to use today, just before we go into the words of consecration, it says... On the night he was betrayed, right? And to think about that, that Jesus is betrayed by his best friends. Of course, Judas, but also Peter, right? Who denies him three times right after the Last Supper. And yet, even though he was betrayed, what does he do? He gives us the greatest gift we've ever received, himself in the Blessed Sacrament. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread and said, this is my body, which is given up for you. This is my blood, which is poured out for you. Peter still has to learn the lesson, but the beautiful thing is, he does keep showing up. He keeps striving to learn what our Lord is calling him to. He does have to keep denying himself and taking up his cross all the way to the point when he's crucified upside down in Rome as our first Holy Father. He got there. He's in heaven. He's praying for us now to be those disciples who have to deny ourselves and follow him. Thanks be to God, Jesus doesn't say to us what he said to the devil in the desert, right? Be gone, Satan. No. He says, get behind me. Because the good news for all of us is that in this crazy fallen world, we're not the ones in charge. We may think we are, we may think we gotta take care of everything, but any traffic jam, any sudden illness or injury, the fluctuation of the stock market, right? There's all these things that prove to us day after day, I'm not in charge. Who is? The Son of God. And notice the other beautiful thing about this, what does he keep saying? Follow me. 
which means he's in our midst, right? He's there to show us the way. He's the one who went first to Jerusalem to suffer, to die, and to be raised. It is scary. I agree. You know, like it's one of those things where, yes, it is hard to keep going. It's hard to take up our cross, but he shows us the way, and he shows us that it's worth it. Yes, the cross is a difficult thing to embrace, and yet he comes back to us. His love, the resurrection, the glory of eternal happiness with him lasts on. The devil can't promise that. And quite frankly, as Peter says, God forbid, Lord, it's like, Peter, what are you going to do, buddy? Like, you know, great. I know you don't want me to suffer, but you're not the Messiah. I am. And therein lies the glory for us. I mean, regardless of who the successor of Peter is, he's got to keep following Jesus. And my friends, so do we. And that's the second thing I just want to point out, too. Today, as we very often do, we're singing my favorite hymn of all time as the closing hymn, O God Beyond All Praising. And there's a line in the second verse that I love so much that I think ties in with all of this. It's, and whether our tomorrows be filled with good or ill, we'll triumph through our sorrows and rise to bless you still. The fact of the matter is, is that none of us are in charge, right? We are called to be disciples. And what does that mean? It means that we can't pretend that we're going to make everything work out. No, we have a Messiah, and our place to be is behind him, to keep listening to him, to keep realizing the fact that he is with us, that he goes before us, and he tells us again today, follow me. Praise be Jesus Christ.